Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's so good to be gathered with the people of God today. Psalm 113 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Do me a favor, just look at somebody and just say, I'm happy to see you today. Come on, look at somebody else and just say, it's, it's good to be in the house of God with you today. Real quick, I did this last week too, and I see some brothers standing. Thank you all for standing. Thank you all. I, we, I really appreciate it. Is there a seat next to anybody in the room? Just hold your hand up if there's a seat next to you. Somebody can take my seat. Somebody, if, if somebody want to sit here. Is there anybody still out there? We good? We good out there. So brothers, if anybody wants to sit, somebody can sit here. Any, any other? There's seats, y'all. Look, 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 look. There's seats. I know this is God seekers. Come on. We good? We good now? All right. Brothers, there's some seats over here. If you want to take them, hold your hand up so that they can see one more time. Okay. One, two, three, four. Well, look at God. One, two, three, four. Oh, five. Ah, almost. Almost. Y'all, y'all good? All right. Well, listen, man, I'm going to cut out the small talk, uh, small talk this afternoon and get right to it. Grab your Bibles. Let's get to the word of God. That's why we're here. This is the most climactic moment of our services to get into the word of God. And I believe that God is going to speak today. Grab your Bibles and go to the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of Luke. Go to Luke chapter number 11. Once you're at at Luke chapter 11, just kind of find your way over to Acts chapter 12 and put your finger there as well. We'll be in Luke chapter 11 and in Acts chapter 12. As you turn there, uh, just a quick reminder, Gabe announced it, but our members meeting is after this service, immediately following this service. And so if you are a covenant community member, you've gone through the class, you've received the right hand of fellowship, you've signed our covenant and you were con- this is home for you, uh, we certainly want to talk with you. There's just some things that, um, uh, Jay, there's, a, there's some music playing in my ear. I'm sorry, but I, I can't. Thank you. Um, so if you're a member, just please just hang out with us. We got some information. I actually got a dope praise report that I want to share with you. And, you know, I know sometimes praise reports can, thank you, praise reports can, can, um, can become normal, but man, it's, it's nothing normal when people are sharing something that God did. And God did some Ephesians 3.20 work in our church this week, uh, exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And I'm just, I'm real, real excited. So I got some stuff I want to share. We got some vision we want to give you guys. So please, if you don't have to rush out of here, um, we will get you out before brunch and the Beyonce concert. Somebody say amen. Because <laughs> y'all know Beyonce down the street. And I, I know. Who got tickets? Who got tickets? Who got tickets? Oh, uh, see, y'all, this is what the Lord says. Y'all need to do a small group tonight at the Beyonce concert. That's what the Lord said. All right, members meeting, so please, please hang out with us. And then, um, man, I just want to announce this and solicit your prayers. Um, Ty and I are in our family goes on sabbatical every year. And so every year in August, we, we take some time off. When the church first started, we were... Um, we, we t- only took one week off, and then we added a week, and then we added a week. We're, we're now at the point where uh, Ty and I and the, and, the, and the family are taking six weeks, five Sundays off. And so this is uh, our last Sunday before our sabbatical. Um, sabbatical starts immediately after the members meeting. That means no meetings after the members meeting. Amen. Wrap it up. 
We, um, it's a time for being refreshed for us. And uh, as a marriage, it's a time for us to connect. Let me tell you something about ministry. Ministry has a way of destroying a already on the rocks marriage. And so one of the things Ty and I have been very diligent about when we first started the church was always making sure we take some time to just like connect back to one another, uh, disconnect from the busyness of life as a family. We want to connect. You know, this is Jesus words in, in Mark chapter six, verse 31. Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. Some of us are so busy and being busy on top of being busy on top of busy. And this is a word for you as well. You better learn how to rest. It is, a, it is supposed to be a part of your daily rhythms and your daily routine. There's a reason why you sleep every night. You know why you sleep every night? Because that's, that's the daily Sabbath. Because God wants to be glorified even in the midst of your rest. And if you feel like you can't take off or you can't rest, because if you, if you, uh, if you do, then everything will fall apart. Well, that means that you're holding it together. One thing I know about the church is I ain't holding this church together. This is the Lord's church. And so Ty and I will be taking, taking some time off. And as we sit down, we do solicit your prayers and ask that you would just hold us up. Uh, I feel the Lord has really been calling me to write, and I have no clue what to do with that, but I'm going to spend the next six weeks just writing. Uh, have, there's no meetings. There's, there's nothing on the, on the calendar for me, so I'm just going to be, be spending some time writing. And if you would pray for me, I have no clue what the Lord will do with that, but if you would be praying, that would be, that would be great. Hey, before I jump into the Word, this is um, two individuals that serve here faithfully, Two individuals last Sundays uh, because they're, they're both moving away. Real disobedient to the Lord, but they're, they're both moving away. Um, Jovi is, is moving to Chicago. Where's Jovi at? Wave your hand. I thought I saw Jovi is moving to Chicago. Our production manager. Is this your family? It's, okay. Okay. I didn't know. All right. She was sad. No. Um, and then Zuri. I don't know where Zuri is. Here's Zuri. Stand up, Zuri. Everybody can see you. Zuri is moving to LA. Both of them are, are moving for work reasons, but uh, man, we, I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I want y'all to know that the way y'all served and the way y'all care for God's church um, is just amazing. And, um, you know, they're, they're irreplaceable. That Beyonce just keeps slipping in. They're, they're irreplaceable. Y'all, it took y'all a second on that one. They're irreplaceable, um, but yet, you know, what I love about them is um, when, they, when they do come back, like Zuri has, has moved before, at least worked before out of the state. And then whenever she comes back, even if for a week, she'd be like, I want to serve this week. And it's just so amazing to have people that care for God's church like that. And so, um, man, I love you guys, Jovi and Zuri, and, and I promise to um, be praying for you guys as you are away. And if you ever need anything, uh, let me know. Let me know. Back, back porch light is always on. Y'all can, can always, always come back home. We'll welcome you with open arms. All right, let's get into it. Luke, hey, I promise y'all I, I steamed this shirt three or four times today. <laughs> that linen just wrinkled up. Like, I promise y'all I did. Tasha did it for me one time. I just can't get it right. It's just, uh, all right, let's get into the word. I don't know why God made linen. It's just not a, all right. Somebody said it's cool. That's why. All right, verse 1, Luke chapter 11. Y'all there? Can somebody just holler at me? I'm there, B. I'm there, B. All right, look at verse number 1. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John's disciples taught him. And he said to them, when you pray, say, now you guys, even if you have no church background, you might know this prayer. 
Um, you might know it in the King James with, the, with the these and thous, but this is how it reads in the ESV. It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Verse number five, and he said to them, which one of you who has a friend will go with him at, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. Just, just hold your finger there for a second. What, what that means is, 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 you know, in ancient times, you know, how we have in our houses or our apartments, we have like a room for everybody in the family. You know, the kids got a room, the, this master bedroom. It, in ancient times, they did have separate rooms, but not for everybody to sleep in. So the entire fa family slept in the same room. Now, that's important. First of all, it's disgusting. My family couldn't do it. But for some reason, this is what they did in ancient times. Now, pay attention to that because that's going to become important as we continue on in the story. He says... Do not bother me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, somebody say impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. What, what father among you, if he asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks you for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Our Next Season Requires Prayer. Would you just look at somebody and just personalize this? I, I made it corporate, right? Our next season. Look at somebody and just say, your next season requires prayer. Now, now here's the thing before, we, before I pray, because I do want to pray before we get in, because I think we, we need, just need the Holy Spirit to understand this text. I know I'm talking to a room full of people that are not killing it in prayer. Like, I know I am, and you know, you might have gotten better, but there's always room to grow in our prayer lives. But I also want to make this a, a corporate call as well, because there's some repenting I did earlier this week that we as a church, as Epiphany Church, we don't pray enough. Corporately, we, we don't pray enough. We cannot, don't please don't miss this, we cannot rely on the smoke, the lights, and the cute logo. That don't sustain the church. We cannot rely on the fact that it looked nice outside. Hello, Brooklyn. No, we got to rely on the foundation of what the church is, and that's prayer. And what, what is true for us as a corporate body is also true for you as an individual. Lord, as I'm talking about prayer today, pray that you would speak to us right out of what you've already spoken in your word. May Jesus be front and center. Crystallize the gospel for us today. Clarify it for us today. Ultimately, Lord, I do pray for salvation pray for changed hearts. I pray for changed minds. I do pray for behavior, Lord, but I pray that the salvation would precede the behavioral change because you're a God that we can come to you no matter, no matter what dysfunction we have, no matter what we did last night, 
but you're a God that accepts us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our next season requires, requires prayer. Hey, listen, guys, I, I've spent a lot of academic, uh, academic hours in studying like uh, the scriptures, but really one of my highlights of going to school really was to learn about church history. I don't know if, if that interests you at all, but there are some things that happen in church history that are just, I don't know, man, that are unique, that you know it was the Lord, that you know the Lord moved. And one of the things as, a, as a, a student of church history that I'm keenly aware of is that every major season of awakening in Christianity started with an intense and persistent pursuit of prayer. Every, check the receipts. Every single major moment of awakening and revival where God did something corporate and, 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 and the body began to move in a different direction and hearts begin to change and strongholds begin to come down and addictions begin to break and marriages begin to get restored happen because of the foundation of prayer. You can go back to Acts chapter 2 where the Bible says that they were in the upper room and, and they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't specifically say that they were praying, but I think if you bump that up with the rest of Acts, there's 28 chapters in Acts, and every time they're together, they're always praying. So I can, I can conclude that in Acts chapter 2, there was some time of praying. What happens? The Holy Spirit falls, and the birthing of the church starts. That's Acts 2. But if you go to Acts chapter 13, you see the church at Antioch praying. And, and they're not just praying, they're doing three things. The leaders of the church there were so keen to the Holy Spirit's movement that they wanted to make sure that the atmosphere was conducive. And the leaders there were Barnabas and, and Simon called Niger and Lucius. And I'm not talking Lucius Lyons from Empire. I'm talking Lucius uh, uh, from Cyrene. And you, you have Saul, a.k.a. Paul is there, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch. These are, these are all leaders in the Antioch church. And the Bible says that the leaders caused the atmosphere to be conducive for the Holy Spirit to audibly speak. Imagine that. They were worshiping, they were fasting, and they were praying, and the Spirit stopped the middle of the service and started to talk and give them direction. Well, what does he say? Set apart for me Barnabas and, and Paul for the work that I have for them. Please check this out. The rest of the New Testament you get because the Holy Spirit spoke in Antioch. The Holy Spirit spoke in Antioch because it was a foundation of prayer. It was a place where it was a place that was conducive for the prayers of the people of God. What about the 1720s with the Great Awakening with the Dutch Reformed Church? What about the early or mid to late 1800s with uh, the revivals of, of with Charles Hatton Spurgeon before Metropolitan Baptist Church? You go back to Exeter Hall. If you know anything about church history, Exeter Hall, there was revivals happening to the point where there were some people that were sitting uh, in the, the service not to be a part, but to clean. The janitors were getting saved because they were there to clean and the Holy Ghost caught them. That's what happened in the mid-1800s. Go to the early 1900s. Every tongue-talking Pentecostal in here, you get the, the, the root from Pentecostal going back to the early 1900s to Azusa Street. Azusa Street under the leadership of William Seymour and Charles Parham um, uh, created an atmosphere in California where the atmosphere was conducive for prayer and because of that, revival began to take place. What about Billy Graham's 1960s uh, revivals? He will tell you that that was fueled by prayer. Now, every one of these, if, if you want to find the common denominator with every one of these major awakenings in church history, the corporate prayer was the bedrock of the foundation. 
every one of them. Not one of them that I named wasn't the, didn't find its root and its bedrock in prayer. And this is why I'm saying corporately, we got to do better with prayer because when we pray, God moves. Not just individually, but collectively. When we pray, God does something. Our enemy fears nothing from a prayerless church. Oh, just because you got up this morning and came to church. If you think that God is scared because you came to church, you sang some songs, you listened to a sermon, you took communion, you go home, that you got power. The enemy's not scared of a prayerless church, even if we wrap it in religiosity. An enemy is scared when we start to pray. Because when we pray, take this note down, when we pray, prayer turns ordinary people into people of power. That's what it does. And I know you feel like that. You know, that prayer is just sitting in the room. There's no way God heard that prayer. He hears everything. Oh, our God, our God hears everything. And what he does is he's, he responds only what's according to his will. But prayer turns ordinary people into people of power. When humans in the scriptures wanted to pray, they were able, ordinary people were able to call down fire. You know that's in your scriptures? But where the prophets were able to pray and God would send down fire when they were going against Baal, the prophets of Baal? What, 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 about, what, what about when the heavens were shut up and there was no rain and there was a famine and there was a, a drought? Ordinary people in the scriptures opened up their mouth and began to pray and call down rain. How you got fire and rain? All because of prayer. Well, what about dead bodies? You know, we, we rejoice at the fact that Jesus rose. He's unique in, in how he rose, but don't get it twisted. There are points in, in, in the disciples' walk where they prayed and God raised the dead. Y'all remember Tabitha, and I don't mean Tabitha Brown. Y'all remember Tabitha when, in, in Acts chapter 9, the Bible says that this, this woman named Tabitha, she dies. Her family in Acts chapter 9 are all in the house, and they're not praying, they're weeping. They're crying, and, 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 and they're, they're grieving. And Peter walks in the house, and do you know what Peter does? Peter kicks everybody out. Everybody get out the house. And when they all get out the house, the Bible gives me detail to the posture of his prayer. It says, then he got down on his knees and prayed, and he turned to the body, meaning Tabitha, and said three words. Tabitha, get up. And she got up. Not because Peter had power, but because Peter's prayers. Oh, if I could get you to believe that God turns ordinary people into people of power. When we pray. And I believe that the Holy Spirit today wants to speak to us as a corporate body, but also you as an individual. And I think he's going to speak. I think he just has something important to say through Luke chapter 11 and through Acts chapter 12. Now, this passage will give us a snapshot into the life of the early church. Now, in order to, I was going to just do Acts chapter 12, uh, chapter 12, but in order to understand how Acts chapter 12 worked itself out in the early church, you have to understand what Jesus taught before he died about prayer. So we get Luke chapter 11. Now, I don't know if you're a student of, of scripture, but Luke, of course, he wrote the book of Luke. Uh, it's named after him, so he wrote that book, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And if you take Acts 12 and, and you take uh, Luke 11, forget that. If you take Luke and Acts, just a book, what you'll see happen is Luke will mention a statement in the book of Luke, and then in Acts chapter 12, he'll show how it's fleshed out in the birthing of the church. Now, how does Luke 11 start? It starts with the disciples walking with their, with their master, with their teacher, with their rabbi, with their Lord, and, and they're walking, and you know what they say? Lord, teach us to pray. 
Imagine out of all the stuff that you would say to Jesus and you would ask Jesus to teach you. Let's be real. Prayer might not be the first thing. Okay, as somebody that gives, you know, one of the main responsibilities I have here at the church is to preach. The first thing I would ask Jesus if I was, if I was with him is, Lord, teach me how to preach like you. Because I, I watched you preach and you, you, you captivate crowds and not because you were, you, you were so uh, eloquent with your words, but you captivate crowds because you preach with authority. In fact, the longest sermon Jesus preached was the Sermon on the Mount. So you got Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, and at the end of Matthew 7, after he's done preaching, do you know the crowd say, the Bible says that they were astonished because he preached as one who had authority? What about, the, what about this is comical to me. The, the scribes and the Pharisees send some guys, some guards to go arrest Jesus at a service. And they're like, man, don't come back without Jesus. Arrest them. And they get there to arrest Jesus. And then they go back to the scribes. And do you know that the scripture tells me in John chapter 7, when they get back, the scribes are like, y'all were supposed to arrest Jesus. Where's Jesus at? And they literally said back to them, nobody ever, ever spoke like him before. Because Jesus preaches with power. He preaches with, if I'm walking with Jesus, I ain't asking about prayer first. I'm just being transparent. I'm saying, Lord, how do you preach? Teach me that. What about miracles? That y'all know we would ask for that one. Teach me how to perform miracles. I got a sick uncle. I got a sick aunt. I just got diagnosed. Lord, teach me how to perform miracles. That you I mean, you turn water into wine. I know y'all want that one. Y'all, you know. Some Pinot Noir, turn that on down, Lord. Give me that one. Right, so we, we would do all of this. We would ask God to teach us how to perform the miracles. And yes, Jesus performed miracle after miracle after miracle. But through all of that, the disciples don't ask for none of that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And here's why. Apparently, they noticed that all of Jesus' preaching and all of Jesus' miracles Prayer seemed to be the source behind both. And so I ain't got to ask you to teach uh, how, how to preach. I ain't got to ask you how to perform miracles. I got to ask you how to pray because if I pray, you'll take my scraps and you'll do something with them. If I pray, you'll take my ordinary disposition and cause miracles to flow through me. Prayer is the source. Teach us how to pray. Somebody say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And don't think because you've walked with the Lord for so long that you know how to pray. You probably ain't got a better uh, relationship with the Lord than the disciples. I can bet that one, that you don't have a closer walk with the Lord than the disciples. They walk with him day in and day out and still didn't know how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus teaches them how to pray. He gives them the, the Lord's prayer, right? Y'all learned that as kids. We, that he gives us that. But then I'm so, I'm not going to preach that today. You know what I'm so amazed by? The odd story he rolls into. After he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, he then rolls into a story, verse 5 to verse 13. And the, sto the story is a, is a unique story. Verse 5, he says, which one of you then has a friend who will, who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lead me, uh, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Well, what is being requested now is important for you to know it's non-urgent. 
Like, he, this guy's not starving. His traveler's not starving. In fact, I can prove this to you. He asked for three loaves. Three loaves feeds a house of six for three weeks. So he ain't starving. But yet he's waking this guy up in the middle of the night for something that is non-urgent. Can you imagine that? Okay, I need somebody that really loves sleep to imagine at three o'clock in the morning, somebody waking you up for something non-urgent. Like if you call me at three o'clock and I think it's an emergency and I pick up and you be like, yo, what's the name of that Haitian spot with the black rice? I swear I'll, I'll block you. We'll never talk again because I value sleep. Anybody else value sleep? Like my, my boys in the middle of the night, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they function, but in the middle, they stay up like almost all night, like all the time. I'm like, how do y'all, how do y'all, like, how do y'all function without going to sleep? And so I'm talking two or three in the morning. You know, they playing the game. And I don't know if you've ever seen kids play the game. They be yelling and, and screaming. And so three o'clock in the morning, they know. Don't be loud. Because if you wake me up, we got issues. Listen, I have devoted my life, literally devoted my life to serving one woman. And that's Ty. I serve her. I give her whatever she needs, but not at three o'clock. <laughs> because... If she woke me up, unless it's an emergency, right? Unless she's bedridden, unless she's sick. If she woke me up and said, babe, can you get me some water? Y'all know I'm going to say, what's wrong with your legs? I'm going to be like, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? You're not sick? Then why would you wake, why would you wake me up? Because we don't like to be woken up for something that is non-urgent. That is exactly what is happening right now. This, tra this guy that has a, tra a traveler friend and coming over, he wants to wake him up for something that he actually could get once the guy actually wakes up, but he doesn't do that. He, he makes a request at, at, at a non-opportune time. And watch what the guy says. The guy says back to him, he says, uh, he, he says verse 7, and he will answer you from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are asleep in bed with me. I cannot get up to give you anything. He says here, I tell you, though he will not get up to give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I will tell, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for everyone uh, who receives uh, who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it says it will be open. Whatever you ask the Father, if you ask, ask the Father for a fish, he won't give you a serpent. If you ask for an egg, he won't give you a, a, a scorpion. And then he goes on to say, if, you're, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, what about God who will give you the Holy Spirit if it's asked? Here's what you need to notice. I keep saying that God is calling us corporately to pray and calling you to pray as an individual but I keep messing up when I say that. I don't just mean God is calling us to prayer. God is calling us to persistent prayer. Because it's not enough just to take it one time. Yeah, he hears you. But if I understand the parable that Je this is in red. If I understand the parable that Jesus is saying, he's saying you might get a no, but be persistent. He says, I ain't waking up because you're my friend. I'm waking up because of your impudence. That word literally means persistence. I am getting up because you are persistently coming after me and because you are persistently pursuing me. And here's what I know as a church. If we want to see the hand of God move in our neighborhoods, our family, our jobs, our homes, if we want to see God move, we got to be more persistent in prayer. You got a big decision coming up, epiphany, you better pray. 
You, you want to see God uh, move on raising resources? We better see God. We better pray. You, you want to figure out next steps to the next season? We better pray. You want to figure out how to fight spiritual warfare? Oh my gosh, I need somebody that know that the devil been hounding you and he's been on your back over and over again. If you want to fight him off, you ain't strong enough, baby, to do it by yourself. But when you need prayer, we got to be a place that prayer is regular. I know that ain't prayer is normal. Where, where, where we come into, some of y'all, need, it needs to be where you don't need a title. You don't need to be a part of a prayer team. But you need to say, you know what? I'm going to get to Epiphany today 15 minutes early because I just want to sit in the atmosphere and pray for the service. See, that's what the old church used to do. The mothers would arrive. They had their own mother's row, and we would laugh at the mothers, but you know what they would sit there and do? They would sit there and pray because they wanted to pray for somebody that was walking in with an addiction. They wanted to pray for somebody that was walking in with a stronghold. They wanted to pray for somebody whose marriage was out of whack, and they wanted to see restoration. We need prayer. Somebody say, we need prayer. Our church needs to be marked by prayer, but this should be a personal conviction of yours as well. Your life needs to be marked by prayer, where you have dedicated time every day. Let me be clear, every day. There shouldn't be a day that goes by that you ain't praying. Every day, you should have a consistent time, and if your calendar is too busy for prayer, you need to knock something off the calendar, not skip prayer. And then it also needs to be marked by sporadic prayers. There are some moments where you ain't got time to get in the prayer closet. I can be sitting on the train and open up my mouth and get to the throne of grace. Sometimes you need to be sitting in a meeting. I know I do it. I'd be in a Zoom call. I'd be sitting in a meeting. And God, I just need to pray because if I don't pray, I'm going to make the wrong decision. And I say, I'll be right back. And I go to the bathroom. Because I, you know, I, I want to I really, really communicate with God. And that's what God is looking for for some of us. He needs consistent prayer. He needs sporadic prayer. He needs time blocked off on your calendar. Some of y'all need a dog. D-A-W-G. Day alone with God. That's what you need. Because if you can just, God, he, ain't, he just wants to talk to you. Prayer is what we do. Oh, I keep messing up. I keep, I keep meaning to say persistent prayer. That's what God is calling us to. Do you notice the language in the text? It says, ask, seek, knock. Consider a knock for a second. A knock in and of itself is persistent. If at 3 o'clock in the morning I hear this, I'm going to think one of the boys knocked each other out. I ain't thinking nobody at the door. But if I hear this, now that, I hate repeated noises. I, it's something about repeated noises that aggravate me. Does that get under anybody's skin? Do you realize that this is what God wants from your prayer life? Oh, persistence. Persi you went one time. You got to know. Go back. Go back again. Because if I understand the text, the boy one in the three loaves got to know. But what got him a yes was not his friendship. I need somebody to understand that it is not your tight relationship with the Lord that gets the yes. What gets the yes is persistent prayer. Even somebody that ain't tight with the Lord can get an answered prayer when it's persistent. So he, he literally says, I will answer it, but not because he's a friend. I'm going to get up, wake the whole family up. I'm going to go get them three loaves, and I'm going to give them to them because I want him to go away. 
Like, that's crazy to me. Now, let me tell y'all something, and I'm going to just be a little bit more transparent here. As a church, when I come back off sabbatical, there's just some stuff we got to make decisions on. And I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally holding off on waiting to after sabbatical, number one, because I want to spend my sabbatical really hearing from the Lord. But I want to invite all of us when I get back to come back to corporate prayer. So here's what I'm looking for. Mark these dates down. I asked Gabe to just throw it on the calendar. I ain't got no agenda besides one, prayer. Two, fasting and praying. Because we don't fast enough and they, they go together. They peanut butter and jelly. You ever had just a peanut butter sandwich? Dry, dry. You... And so here's what the church is call, I'm calling the church to. I am calling the church to a corporate prayer and a co- corporate fast from October 2nd all the way to October 6th, which is Monday all the way to Friday. And I know some of y'all going, Pastor B, we only do that at the top of the year. Why, why are we throwing that in now? Because we got decisions to make. We need new elders in this place. We need to pray and see who God wants. We need new deacons in this place. Haven't even identified them yet. We need to pray and see who God wants. We're trying to figure out how to manage growth. We got brothers standing up. And yeah, we saying, come to the first service, but that's just a band-aid. We need to figure out what the Lord wants us to do in order to maximize the growth that God has given us. And so what does that mean? We need to pray. Seek the Lord. We got some projects that we're trying to do. We're trying to do better at serving our community trying to figure out ways to make impact. How are we a church that says we exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city, but we're a church that doesn't pray like we are? We want to, we want to see the city redeemed. That's only, that only happens through prayer because we are not a church that has a mission. God's mission has a church. And because we are part of what God is doing, that means we have to pray for God's will and God's discernment on how to move. And that's not just us as a corporate body. But you should call yourself to some persistent time of prayer and fasting. October 2nd to October 6th. I hope y'all hold your boy down. We're going to find ways to get into this room and outside and sporadically spread out all over New York and have pockets of prayer at the same time. That's what God is calling us to. Let me go back to what I was saying. Prayer awakens and does revival. And if you would believe that, we would be a church that's on fire, not because we filled up a room. Yo, bro, I could care less about that. I'm just being honest. I could care less that you came to church today. I am more impressed when you came to church and we corporately prayed and caused the devil to go to flight. That's what God is looking for in our individual lives as well. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe y'all just listening, but I just want a church that's serious about prayer. Luke chapter 11 shows us that persistent prayer moves the very heart of God. This teaching is so profound that Jesus actually repeats it again in Luke 18. Can y'all go there real quick? I was going to go straight to Acts chapter 12. Go to Luke 18 real quick. Oh, man, Luke 18. Look at this. Um, Verse 1, and he told them a parable. Watch the persistency here. A parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him. Do y'all see the persistency? She kept coming to him. And the Bible says, uh, saying, give me justice against my adversary for A while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. It says, 
so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. Did you read that? This is a whole nother story. I know y'all feel like we're still in Luke 11. In Luke 18, he says the same thing in a different situation. The first one was that this guy who was asleep with his family and the guy came and said, hey, I need I need three loaves. And now you have a judge and this woman, this widow is persistent at getting a justice. And the judge says no. But the judge says, I'm going to give her what she wants, not because I like her. I'm going to give her what she wants because she's persistent. If I can get you to believe that persistent prayer moves the very heart of God. Now, let me just be careful here. The scripture isn't comparing God to an angry judge, nor is he comparing you to a persistent widow. In fact, this isn't a comparison. It's more of a contrast. And here's the contrast. If the judge who is evil and angry is able to grant the request, what would our God do when we're persistent? So the scripture here says that this widow keeps coming. She keeps coming and she keeps coming. The, 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 the guy, uh, it said because of his impudence, his persistence at getting this bread, he was able to get his answered prayer. And I believe that that's what God wants to do. Go to Acts chapter 12. Go to Acts chapter 12. Oh, man, we're doing the electric slide, the wobble straight through here. Look, look at Acts chapter 12. You can read it all when you get home. I'm going to read some of it now. All right, look at verse. We good for, for a few minutes. I'm running out of time here, but we'll be good. I'm, I promise you I'm going to get y'all out of here for that Beyonce concert. Look at verse one. It says, about that time, Herod the king said, uh, Herod the king laid violent hands on some belonging to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter, a leader of the church. He arrested Peter. It says this was during the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had seized him and put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, attending after the Passover to bring him, uh, into, uh, bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in the prison. Please don't miss this part. But earnest, here's persistency, earnest prayer for him was made by, uh, to God by the Oh, God, look at the church praying now. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was asleep between two soldiers bound with chains. And then it says uh, before the door, the, 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 the guards in the prison and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone on the cell. He struck Peter on the side. It says he struck Peter on the side and said to him, dress yourself. Put on your sandals. I have no clue why he's naked right here. But he says, dress yourselves. Put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. He did not know uh, what he did not know what had been done by the angel was real, but, the, and, but thought that he was seeing a vision. When they, had passed, uh, when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to, a, don't miss this, an iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. 
And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent me an angel and and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people who were expecting. Verse 12, "Now now when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were... I just want to make sure y'all follow along. They're praying. Now, don't forget, Peter was asleep, and most commentators suggest that this is all happening in the middle of the night. Why is that important? Because they didn't wait for 7 p.m. for a prayer service. They got all night prayer. Prayer is just continually happening. And so it says in verse 13, and when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhonda came and answered, it says, came and answered, recognizing Peter's voice, In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, is it is this an angel? But Peter continual continued to knock. And when they opened, they saw him and they were amazed. But he motioned, motioning with them to his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James, the brother of, uh, and, and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. We can stop there for a second. Do you realize that this is a maximum level security prison? Oh, they said four squads of soldiers were there. And it was to the point where he wasn't even in his cell sleeping by himself, but he had to sleep in between two guards. God sends an angel down taps him on the, on the side, wakes him up, says, put your clothes on, follow me. He passes one guard. He passes two guards. But do you know the scriptures give me details that the shackles on his feet begin to fall off? And then he gets to an iron door. That's going to stop him. There's no way he's getting through the iron door. God opens the iron door. He walks out and he finds himself at a prayer meeting. Now, let me mess you up. They're in the house praying. And they don't even know their prayers are being answered. Why? Because the girl is shook. She run back inside. The people inside are saying, girl, you out your mind. But they don't even realize the power of prayer that they were able to pray. And while the church, thank God, was praying, shackles were falling off. And while the church was praying, iron doors were opening. And your boy just wonders. Like, I, I just, I have this vision and, and I wonder what would a church look like if we prayed and God didn't wait for another chapter to answer, but he answered in the same moment. Y'all remember when Daniel was praying, when we went to the book of Daniel upstairs and Daniel was praying and before Daniel finished the prayer, not at the end of the, before he finished, God sent the prayer request on down. See, I know we don't believe in that type of prayer. And this is what I love about the Pentecostal church that was charismatic. We got so theologically astute that we forget that we serve a God of miracles. That a God that that when we pray, heaven begins to move and and begins to send the answer down. Listen, y'all, y'all got friends. Y'all got friends in your life right now. They may not have physical shackles on, but they're locked in bondage in something. What breaks them through that is your prayer. Listen, we got strongholds that are going against spiritual warfare that is going against the church. I did a hospital visit yesterday. 
There was somebody else from the worship team in the hospital last week. Listen, there are spiritual attacks happening in the church, and the way we fight back the enemy is through prayer. Somebody say prayer. Oh, God, if we could be a prayerful church. Maximum level security. He walks through as there were no, no guards and, 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 no, and, and no chains and no iron door. He walks freely through. And then it's crazy. He walks in the street. She leaves him in the street. Like, she, he is running away right now. The guards could have caught him, and he is still in the street because God is protecting him. I got three quick points, and I'm going to let you get out of here. Point one from Acts chapter 12. Don't miss this. I love this. They use their homes as a spiritual war room. Did you see this? They use their home. Now, I know you're sitting there going, well, these are leaders in the church. That's Jesus' mother, Mary, right? No, this ain't Mary, Jesus' mother. This is, this is Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark. So that means John isn't John the Baptist. This isn't John the disciple. This isn't John that was, was, was led to Patmos. This, this is an ordinary Mary that you haven't heard of before. And this is the ordinary John that we haven't heard of before. But the ordinary people are having an extraordinary prayer meeting in the middle of the night. Oh, I... This is what I, when I talk about discipleship and, and what we want to see in discipleship is a, is, a, is a group of people that aren't just doing life and we're not, we're not just breaking bread and we're not just kikiing and, and enjoying each other's presence, but I'm hearing your hurts and I'm praying for you. Our, our small groups need to be places and, and homes where we collectively come together and we come together because we want to have a significant time of prayer. Our brothers got together yesterday. And we spent time praying. Our beloved team, shout out to the, to the ladies that get together and pray. What, what y'all got coming up to walk and talk? I need y'all to add walk, talk, pray. Because everything we do has to be bathed in prayer. And I'm not just talking corporately, but I'm also talking individually as well. How does Peter finally get out of prison, find his way to some ordinary people that are using their home as a base for prayer, a war room? For prayer, ordinary people. And that's what it takes. Remember the sermon I preached on ordinary people where we think the, act, the, the, the movement of the book of Acts was because of the apostles? No, 90% of the movement was because of ordinary people that you don't even know. People, people that aren't even named. People that are nameless but have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And this is what our, this is what our church is about. That we should be about a place, we should be about a place that makes prayer essential. And I just want to repent for a second, if I can, because I sometimes, if I'm not careful, I will lean on the smoke, lights, and logo as the drawing factor. What is that? The drawing factor to their church is prayer. And that's what we must come together to do. You know, part of yesterday, and I wasn't gonna share this, but part of the guys getting together yesterday. You know, shout out to the leaders, man. But they came up with some crazy scenarios. And in these, in these scenarios, it was like, it was so specific. You know, you go on a date. And when you go on a date, you'll have some drinks. And after you have the drinks, it's like, what y'all laugh? Because it was you, Gary. That's what it was. <laughs> you have some drinks. And then, you know, you walk her home. Or you take the train and you make sure she gets home. And then you get to the house and she invites you upstairs. What do you do? First of all, that's like a landmine question. Brother's like, uh, I don't know. Like, what do you, what, what do you do? That's what they, that's what they ask. But here's what I want to, I want to suggest this, Gary. What, what if, 
that young lady that you went on a date with, you were actually at her house before because it was a prayer meeting or because it was a small group in her house. I bet you if you got to the house and she invited you upstairs in a weak moment, I bet you you would think differently about it because of prayer up there. Prayer in that room. And that's what our houses should be like. A place that is conducive for the Holy Spirit to move. Not a place where, where everything goes and, and nobody's in my business and nobody knows what goes on in my house. No, I want you to know that this is a place of prayer. Oh, God, if you got carpet, if you got carpet in your house, there should be a spot in your house that has two knee prints because you constantly go there and kneel before your king and pray. There should be a place that is conducive for prayer. How you got a work spot, but you ain't got a prayer spot? Scripture is very clear today that they used their homes as spiritual war room. I got more points. You can stop playing because I got more points, Stanley. <laughs> Point two. Whatever they were afraid of, they talked to God about. Look, I'm about to go on sabbatical. Y'all give me a few more minutes. Whatever they were afraid about, they talked to God about. Remember at the top of Acts chapter 12, it says that King Herod just killed James? Oh, so they're afraid. Yo, he, like he's not just imprisoning people. He's killing people. And now Peter gets locked up. And I'm sure they assume that Peter was dead already, which is why they said to the young lady, lady, you're out of your mind. Peter's not out there because they would have never assumed that Peter was still alive. This is, this, is, this is an atmosphere that was fearful, but fear didn't handicap prayer. Fear didn't stop the early church's prayer. You know what fear did? Fueled their prayer. There's other places where the disciples are afraid. And the Bible says, Acts chapter 4, that they prayed for boldness because they were often afraid. Listen, you're not going to do nothing with that fear, but submit it to the Lord and let that fuel you in prayer. You know that there are entire Psalms devoted to anxiety and fear? Read Psalm chapter 4. That's the first one where David is, is praying to the Lord out of angst and out of fear. And do you realize in the midst of praying, here's how he ends it after working through all of his anxiety. He ends it and says, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. Only prayer can cause you to be in the midst of turmoil and anxiety and pressures and chaos from life and say, I know I'm worried right now, but I'm going to lay down and sleep. Because prayer is the highest, it is the highest pointer to trust. It's the highest pointer to, that's all prayer is. If you want to define prayer, it's dependency on the Lord. And when you don't pray, you're not dependent on the Lord, you're dependent on you. You will always fail you. But the Lord will not fail you. And so they're, they, are, they are afraid right now, but they are praying to a, the God of the universe. They're praying to a God that says no good thing will I withhold for them if they walk up right before me. They are praying to a God that knows the number of hair. Do you realize that? The God you are praying to knows the number of hairs on your head right now. That's the thing about that, that verse. It, it doesn't say like he knew. That means that mo this morning when you plucked out that hair, y'all know when y'all look in the sink and it'd be mad hair, brothers from the beard, you got to moisturize a little bit more. And the sink be filled after you picked it. Right, ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about shrinkage. I'm talking about hair just be everywhere when you wash it. God in heaven didn't just know the number of hairs on your head. 
He said this morning when you pluck that one out, whoop, there goes 95,642 here because he's acquainted with us. You're praying to a God that knows you, that is well acquainted with you. Not only is he well acquainted, but he knows how to move things around because he's the controller of the universe. I'm going to move here. Point one, they used their homes as spiritual war rooms. Point two, they were, uh, they, whatever they were afraid of, they talked to God about. And I'll end here. Point three, prayer furthered. The mission. In Acts chapter 12, at the very end that I read in verse 17, after Peter broke out, gets to the prayer meeting, he doesn't stay there. The Bible tells me in verse 17 that he went to another place. Now, there's only one other time in the book of Acts that Peter is mentioned. It's crazy. I, I, you don't see Peter anymore but one time. And the one time you see him is Acts 15 when he's providing leadership because the church can't get it together. They're arguing over food. They're arguing over Gentiles. They're arguing over Jews and dietary laws. And Peter steps up and provides leadership. And once he provides leadership, unity is restored and the mission moves forward. Now, you can look at that and be like, oh, that just happened by osmosis. No, he was able to provide leadership because the church prayed in Acts chapter 12 so he didn't die. The mission of God is able to move forward when you pray. And I'm not just talking about us as a church, your mission individually. You're trying to figure out next steps and you're trying to figure out what to do. You find that out through prayer. The church prayed in the scriptures as the persistent widow in, in, in Luke 11. But the church prayed and the, the early church prayed like the, like, like the guy who was standing outside looking for three loaves because prayer works. Okay, what are some practical next steps? Because you're over time, Pastor B. Give me them next steps. Here's next steps for you for prayer. Our next small group season is coming up. It's a place where prayer should happen. We have an upper room prayer meeting happening. Is it next Friday, Valerie? This Friday coming up. See, what's crazy is if we set worship night, we pack the room. Uh, I know it's true. If, if, if we, we set some type of you know, music or something, we, we pack the room. But who would pack a room for prayer? I'll tell you who will pack a room for prayer. Ordinary people that knows that God uses ordinary people to do crazy things when we pray. What are some other next steps? How about you just get up 15 minutes early and spend that time praying? Some of us are so busy. Is God not worth 15? Can you give him 15 minutes? And if you're spiritually mature, it'll, it'll continue to be a regular, regular rhythm of your life. Here's something else. Find a location that's conducive for prayer. There are some places that I just, I just, I feel the Lord when I pray. There are some times where, you know, I have the ability to work from here. I got an office here and I got, you know, a small office at home. And sometimes Ty is like, where are you working at today? And I'm like, I got to go to church. And the reason I got to go to church is not because work is more uh, 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 productive here, but because the room is empty and I can walk around and pray and I feel close to God in this room. You got to find a spot that you can actually go and, play and pray. Sometimes it's just walking. Sometimes it's going to a park. Sometimes it's disconnected from the chaos at work and just finding a place to pray. Okay, I'm going to end here. Notice this. The reason why you should pray, if, if for no other reason, is because Jesus has secured the access for you to get to the throne of grace. Think of the throne. You can come to, you can play now, Stanley. You can come to the throne of grace at any time you want to because Jesus has secured the right for you to do so. That ain't crazy. Like if you, if you just, if you weren't summons and you just came up 
in ancient times in, in the presence of a king in his palace, do you know you would be struck down? But yet you can come, not just come to the throne of grace. Hebrews says you can come boldly before the throne of grace and find grace and mercy in the time of need. I believe that the time is now. Anybody else with me that the time is now for us to be serious about prayer? Serious about going to the Lord. Every head bow and every eye closed. Worship team, y'all come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just get into a heart of prayer right now? Let's just lift up prayers. Come on, it might throw you off, but audibly open up your mouth and just start praying to the Lord. Come on, pray on behalf of somebody else. Come on, I can't hear you. Let's open, let's fill this room for just a few minutes. Fill this room with prayer. Come on, open your mouth and pray. Come on, please, just join me in it for a second. I hear you praying. Come on, we don't like dead moments. This is space for you right now. You're about to move on with the rest of your day, but spend this time just communing with God. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much that you gave us a way to communicate with you. Father, you could have been distant from us. You could have been separated and you still would have been good, but yet you chose to be intimate and, and, and you chose to allow us to bring our problems and our, our, our hurts and our heartaches and our joys and our successes. You give us a way that we can talk to you. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that prayer isn't just one way, but you talk back to us. You've proven that over the last several weeks. And the Lord said, and the Lord said. And so, Lord, we thank you for not just hearing our prayers, not just answering our prayers, but talking to us. Sinful people, broken people, people that mess up all the time. Yet we got access to a holy God. Thank you, Jesus, for your cross. Lord, as we, as we pray, oh God, I, I want to repent on behalf of this corporate body for not putting enough time into prayer, for not putting enough dedication in, into prayer, for not putting the resources into prayer. Lord, correct us. Turn us to your very heart. Because the, I think, Lord, we really want to see an awakening. We really want to see a revival. And Lord, we know that prayer is the bedrock. So Lord, I pray for everybody that's in this room. I pray for everybody that's online right now. I pray for those that couldn't get in that are sitting out in the lobby. Lord, I pray your precious Holy Spirit upon us now. That we would be, this atmosphere would be a place of prayer. That our individual lives will have woven into the rhythms of our daily routine. Prayer. Lord, we thank you, oh God, for answered prayers. But I think we've matured enough that we also thank you for unanswered prayers. We thank you for the yes. We thank you for the no. Because you, we know that you are all wise and your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, so sometimes, Lord, we'll come with fickle prayers. But thank you, oh God, that in your grace and in your mercy, you work it all out. 
And so, Lord, I pray, oh God, that this time next year, that we would be a church that is serious about prayer, that we would look back and be like, ah, I remember those moments where we leaned on strategy. I remember those moments where we leaned on stuff that, was un, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't conducive for real movement and impact. But now, Lord, we lean on prayer as the source of the power. I pray that this, the same thing for the individuals in this room. Everybody that's serving, and everybody that's in the kids' room, and everybody that's online, that every one of us would take serious this communication that we have with you. We thank you for your cross and how you've worked on our behalf to secure the access we have. In Jesus' mighty name, we give glory. Let somebody say amen.